Chief data officers help agencies use data to improve services. Several CDOs have launched training programs to improve the data literacy of people in their agencies. For two examples, Federal News Network's Jory Heckman spoke with the Deputy Chief Data Officer at the FAA, Marcita Dill. And first you'll hear the Air Force CDO, Eileen Vidrine. When we first stood up, we did two pieces that I think were critical. First, we stood up a data lab based out of Andrews Air Force Base, but now it's really virtual. Any airman or guardian across our department can reach out and really uh, work on what I would say really key opportunities that have entered enterprise focus. And the other part of that was building a um, self-service capability. We call it the Vault Data Platform. And um, when we did this, um, we just had a handful of customers, multi-tenancy, cross-domain, in the cloud, uh, using primarily open source tools. But today we have normally about 3,000 Airmen and Guardian logging on on a daily basis really doing self-service capabilities to really empower our airmen and our guardians so that they can leverage the power of data in their everyday decision-making process. Marcita, I'll throw it over to you. I would say data plays a critical role in our mission, which is around safety and efficiency of the aerospace system. So prior to coming to the CDO, I worked in our R&D organization. And a key component of that portfolio was improving our information management capabilities. And it was under that portfolio that we explored the use of an enterprise data platform. But we also looked at capabilities that improved, you know, how data is shared between our systems and how it's shared with decision makers. So fast forwarding today, seeing some of those improvements implemented, although it's transparent to travelers, it's given us an opportunity to explore those efficiencies and deliver those capabilities that are ensuring that you're getting to point A to B safely and quickly. Eileen, you have been very clear about how important collaboration is for your role as the CDO over at Air Force. And, you know, case in point here, the CDO office of the Air Force, your office, hosts an Innovation Connect series that highlights how individuals and groups within the Air Force can drive a more data-driven culture. Tell us a little bit more about that and how it connects to what we've been talking about here. We started the Innovation Connect the intent was to have a session where we could actually share lessons learned with our colleagues across the department. And when we started it, our DOD colleagues said, hey, I want to be included, which was pretty awesome. And so when we did that, we did one session and the immediate response was, what day are we doing this next month? And so it really became, now we're kind of on a recur, you know, an ops tempo where we're doing this periodically, at least monthly. And we bring in not just people from the Department of the Air Force, but across the Department of Defense to really share lessons learned, best practices, etc. So in the past, we've had Nicholas Shalane talk about Platform One. We've had Navy talk about Black Pearl. We've had DARPA come in and talk about AlphaDog. But I'm really excited because our next one, we're going to bring in the chief scientist from the 7th 11th Human Performance Wing at the Air Force Research Lab. And they're going to talk about wearable tech and how we used wearable tech to track and manage COVID. 
And we're also going to have our Intel group come in and talk about their work with Big Data Platform because there's always great work. And if we can use each other as springboards, it helps us accelerate the change. And the collaboration among these groups, we have several hundred people log in just about every month. And we had over 3,000 participants last year. So I think that it's really great when we're using each other's great ideas to accelerate change in the mission set. There has been such a demand for rescaling, upskilling, and making sure that those skills are present in the agency workforce. In terms of building out those skills, where do you see things like rescaling and upskilling the current workforce fitting in? And, you know, of course, the other piece of that being hiring externally people who have these skills and making sure that they are onboarded as quickly as possible. In the Department of the Air Force, we are absolutely all in. So we're taking a multi-tenant approach. It begins with bringing in the right talent. We built today cadets at our Air Force Academy can major or minor in data science. They will graduate and go into all mission areas, intel, logistics, space, air, etc. So that is going to be game-changing to our pipeline. But it's not just about our military. We begin with data science interns. I like to say that our first data science intern is a Department of the Air Force civilian today. So it creates a great pipeline when you bring them in and they work on great problem sets that they can really see value and see that data for good that you were talking about earlier. But it's also about upskilling what we have. So partnering with our CIO, we have Digital U with some high-end industry-based self-paced online learning. But we've also partnered with the Air Force Institute of Technology to have a graduate online certificate program. Our pilot was a couple hundred people. Today, we have 2,000 airmen, guardian at all different enlisted, officer, military, civilian, studying data science at a graduate level from their officer home. And so it's really about not one thing, but having many things, which I think is pretty exciting. Excellent. And Marcita, I'd love to hear your thoughts too on where things stand on the workforce piece of things, uh, onboarding, reskilling. Let's hear it. So we're definitely exploring direct hiring authority. We have a number of openings across the agency, and we found in the past that's been extremely helpful for those positions that are kind of time sensitive with urgent needs. And as you mentioned before, we can't hire our way kind of out of our needs. So we're also looking at upskilling. We did a survey last year, a data dexterity survey to just to assess kind of where our workforce was and to also understand kind of what their job requirements are and what tools they're using. And out of that data, this year we'll be rolling out a training roadmap to help those interested in upskilling who want to pursue data analyst or a data scientist track, what skills they would need to develop and also We have recommended courses that we're also going to be offering. And similar to what was mentioned before, we're looking at online training curriculums. And then we also partnered with the other DOT modes um, to look at our existing training track platform and identify courses there that employees can take advantage of right now. 
Marcita Dill, Deputy Chief Data Officer at the Federal Aviation Administration, speaking with Federal News Network's Jory Heckman, who also spoke with the CDO of the Air Force, Eileen Vidrine. Check out Jory's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me 
and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From Sea to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. 
Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.